Hello everyone, welcome to VR Verdict Podcast, episode 73. I am PJ. I'm Wookie. And I'm Lyriel. It's Lyriel. Yeah. <laughs> We're here to talk today about epilepsy and gaming. So, Lyriel, if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll start from there. Yeah, um, first of all, thank you so much for, for inviting me. Um, as you guys follow me for a, for a minute on Twitter, you guys know I've been trying to be more vocal um, and bring more awareness to epilepsy and gaming and accessibility. Um, I myself am, a, am the CEO and co-founder of Run Digital. Run Digital is a powerhouse of geniuses in virtual reality and esports, developing various solutions for esports um, that go from VR developers, publishers, athletes, advertisers, and a bunch of other um, players in, in, in the various verticals among VR and esports. Um, and we have currently, most of what we do right now is just do stealth. Um, even our website is, is, is down right now, it's offline, because we're, we're trying to keep a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things in the, in the down low uh, as we develop, um, just for, for our own safety. But one thing that we do have publicly available and accessible and ready to, and running right now, actually we have a um, competition running right now, it's the High School Heroes Esports League. Um, that league is part of our social impact pillar among our company that we basically test our tools and our solutions with our own leagues and we don't profit from any of the leagues that we run. Um, so all the leagues that we run, they are charity focused. Uh, we're applying for the nonprofit title uh, within the U.S. as well. And every single tournament revenue generated from sign up fees or advertisement and sponsors and whatever, we always uh, redirect that 100% to some um, good cause. So for the High School Heroes League, what we do is all the money, that, all the red, revenue that we generate through those um, school sign-up fees and advertisers, we buy in Oculus Quest 2 headsets and we ship them to the underprivileged high schools in the United States. So those are the ones that have the Title I classification, which means that those schools have at least 40% and over um, students that come from low-income families. So those students generally will not have access to VR, will not have access to, to this technology and, and great tool um, for not just gaming, but everything else um, in between. And usually those schools also don't have the budget to, to buy that, that equipment and participate and play with us. So that's what we do with the money. We give, the, we give three headsets to each Title I school. Every season we give between five to ten um schools enough headsets for them to play we've waived all the fees we give them the jerseys for the team as well um and each school plays in the league for cash prizes for the for the athletes and some other um prizes such as game keys and products and shirts merchandise from all different vr developers and the schools what the schools get in in, in as value for participating in the league is that the schools have access to vr developers that make platforms and experiences made exclusive for high schools so they can have virtual reality classes and virtual reality experiences that that are educational um and at the same time the, those schools in their league always have an, an inter interscholastic league that they can always be part of so god forbid we go through another pandemic and we have another lockdown <laughs> and all the sports get canceled again virtuality yeah. is still there all the kids can still play from home right now all the kids in our league are playing from home on the current season um, so it's it's completely pandemic safe. So it's uh, it's an alternative and honestly a solution because it unites gaming with exercising as we all in VR know how much exercising you can get in yep. VR. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, and we are the first and only virtual reality league to have been receive an official accreditation from the STEM.org Foundation. So we are officially a STEM accredited educational experience, which helps a lot when we're talking to the schools. So it, it gives them the for the schools and the parents and educators in general. It gives them it works as a as a badge of uh, credibility, um, as a proof that hey, we are educating our kids. We're providing value to your school and to your students. Um, and yeah, wow. that's what we do publicly. We have uh, five more leagues to announce, each with a specific charity focus. Not all of them for high schools, each one for different um, different types of players and different groups of players. And we'll have one as well to announce that will be available for everybody to participate. And all of those, the money generator will be just sent to either a charity foundation, a nonprofit organization, or to a specific cause um, that we support. How How did that come about? Like, how do you get into something like that? How did it start? Uh, for for the league, how we, we came up with well, the idea? Well, just for your whole company or, <laughs> like, I'm going to yeah. help these people doing this. Like, how do you, yeah. So how do you go from idea to action on that one? That's yeah. A big... Yeah. Um, since big it's field. just, it's me and then my co-founder, Cutie Pop, Justin, um, and then Taylor, who's known as Pasky Cashew. Uh, it's the three of us mainly um, doing all the hard work behind the scenes and doing the pretty much everything in the back end and the front end. We have some partners helping us, such as Via Respawn. So Coon Enters is our official caster for every season. Um, we have some volunteers, which are usually teenagers in high school as well, who either the school did not choose to not participate or could not participate, or they're out of high school, they're in college, they're in university, they're out of university working, but they want us. They want to help us um, and and give their knowledge um, and help us um, grow the league. Um, so yeah, we we created the league because during the pandemic, that was back in June of last year, um, we noticed that there was a lot of articles in the news talking about how the suicide rates were increasing for teenagers and high school students in general, mainly because those kids could not play sports, could not participate, could not keep competing which is something that for for the american culture is very very valuable and very very loved and also is, is a chance for them to get into a scholarship into a very big university that can determine their future so those kids not being able to compete not being able to practice not being able to get those tuitions um it was the, the pandemic was solely increasing the suicide rates so i was talking to kitty pop and at the time uh, me and him and Pasky as well. Pasky is one of the biggest uh, esports, yeah, esports players um, to, in the history. Um, we all had pretty bad um, experiences with some other tournaments. Um, not all of them, like a very small amount, but it was all one after the other. And we're like, well, let's just do a tournament. Let's just do a league that does everything right. Um, it's not super extreme, and we're not going to try to compete with ESL or like League of Legends and, and whatever. Um, but let's just do something that works right. It's good for the players, and we try to do some good at the same time. And then we're like, well, let's just do for high school. Let's just let's just get the iron to high schools because we we see all three of us. We see the potential, and we know the potential. We know the guys who work making educational virtual reality content and experiences and platforms like Engage and Victor XR. We know those guys, and they could use any help they can get to to get exposed to the schools. Right. Yeah. So that's when we, we just tied everything together and then we partnered up with 
Draper Hero Institute, which is a nonprofit here in San Mateo, where I live in California. Um, and it's a nonprofit that invests in young entrepreneurs making a change in the world. And they help us with the whole legal side of stuff and some operational costs that we have, like services that we have to, to um, subscribe to and all of that jazz. Um, and yeah, and then we just started planning everything, announced the first season, which was the test season that we call Invitational. Um, back in December, um, Thrill Seeker, which is a good friend of us, gave us a huge shout out in his YouTube channel, which made a bunch of people sign up, a bunch nice. of schools get interested. And then we hosted the, the Invitational uh, event on February. It lasted for a whole week. We sponsored, we donated equipment, um, 33 quests to 11 Title I schools in the U.S. Initially, it was just for the U.S. Now we're accepting um, applications from schools anywhere in the world, but um but yeah it was amazing the kids got the, the total price pool for the kids was about six thousand dollars um we, we put in three thousand dollars from our own pockets um including headset oculus quest headsets for the first place winners um and then um other vr developers contributed to the price pool and other friends and even individuals as well i i myself contributed a thousand dollars um pretty pop a thousand dollars pasky a thousand um and then a bunch of other developers gave gave out keys and merchandise and stuff like that. Um, it was great. It was amazing. And now, actually, last week, last week, yeah, last week on the twenty two weeks ago on the twenty eighth of June, we started the season one, the official season one, with eighteen schools. Now we are into the brackets, so the the, the qualifiers is over. So now the, in the brackets, 14, 14 schools qualified and and proceeded over. And now we are going to the second round of of the winners round to double elimination competition um for this season we have a big partner and sponsored which is viveport that i'm really really happy to announce and just tell everybody because it's a great sign like we're using quest headsets but viveport is is supporting <laughs> our mission um one awesome. because because they work with quest they work with every single headset out there um but also shows how united the vr industry is both from the professional side also from the community side we all know how how united the VR community is but also on the professional business side liveport is supporting a league that is using class headsets so um it's amazing the kids are gonna get um uh, the kids are getting liveport infinity keys that are for six months long so they get for free 900 games and experiences they can play um and there's a bunch of other players coming in as well we're talking with a company who makes some um routers specific for the quest 2 that give very low latency for people who want to do air link and virtual desktop um nice. and of course we're talking to engage and victory xr and all the educational stuff um to to, to add more value and give the, some of the prizes as well to the school so they can use at the school um whenever we're not hosting a season yeah really really oh. excited it's growing a lot that's that's a lot like that's i'm glad it's going well because <laughs> We've talked to educators about getting VR in classrooms, and it's not easy. And you guys just seem to be doing some really good work with that, getting it into the hands of kids and getting schools okay with it and on board. And that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I'm not gonna lie. It is hard work. <laughs> it is very <laughs> complicated. It is very hard, especially, especially now that we're hosting a season during the summer break, which now recognize it was a mistake. We thought. Hey, the kids are going to be at home out of school and they need something to do. So let's offer them yeah. a season during the summer break. But in return, actually, a lot of kids are not at home. A lot of kids are traveling, visiting <laughs> their families. And sometimes they don't have Wi-Fi or they just 
don't have access to the headset or the school's closed or something. So it's there's a lot of um, issues here and there that we're learning as we go and we're improving it. Um, but we are very happy, especially with the support from the community. Um, a lot of friends on Twitter and Facebook, LinkedIn, um, especially in Clubhouse, a lot of people have reached out to us. Um, people that are not even in VR, like, for example, the Global Esports Federation, we're talking to, the, to them there to, to try to get some, some partnership going on. We have um, the Stay Plugged In guys as well in talk with us so that we can start offering some, some way of scholarships for the kids in the league who graduate and go to university, they can keep playing VR for the university and, and get tuitions to, to, to go to those important um, universities and colleges out there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of, it, we're getting a lot of support, um, but it is a lot of work. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it, it all pays back. Um, seeing, seeing the kids playing and excited and talking in the Discord and also getting emails, random emails from parents and teachers just thanking us and saying how great how grateful they are. Like we have one team that um, one of the players has um, is in the autism spectrum, and she emailed us asking to do a Zoom call, and we we, we invited her for for a Zoom video call, and she just wanted to thank us and say how helpful it has been VR for for her kid um, and and getting wow. them to exercise and socialize more. So it's it, it all pays back, you know. It's it's That's really awesome. good. It feels really good. I'm really excited to introduce the other leagues as well and and show people like the other good we can do with VR just by playing. That's amazing. It's uh, it, the funny thing is like that's we could do a whole couple podcasts on that, but that's not even why you came here today. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, sorry, switch... I yeah, you asked me about about the league. I'll talk for eight <laughs> hours. I apologize. Yeah. No, no, no worries. Before we switch gears, though, uh, Madman Diamond Paws, any questions on that so far? You can come on. I don't have. Paws. I don't have a question, but I will say, um, coming from I, I in high school, I was in a robotics team, uh, and I know at least somewhat how hard it can be to get schools to adopt things because even with something as established as robotics competition, they weren't willing to give us funding or work with us to sort anything out. We had to do it all ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have we have a few schools that um they have their esports club, but the esports club is just a student run, um, and they have to get the fundraising and do everything on their own. Like the only thing they get from the school is just access to one of the classrooms when they're empty, so they can meet up. Um, so yeah, it's 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 very very hard on the on the student side, also on the teacher side to just get approval for the budget. Um, and also on our side, it's hard for everybody, but. Um, everybody seems to be willing to help, willing to work, and willing to find ways around it to make it work. Um, and, it, and it all pays off at the end. Even if one school can join on this season, we, we put them on the wait list. And on the following season, once we get some more um, donations from advertisers, we can sponsor that school as well. So it's, um, it's, it's very good. And we, we're now, I think, at 1,100 um, members in the Discord community when we actually only have 18 schools playing, which is wow. about 54 <laughs> players. So everyone else is is fans and supporters and parents and teachers and coaches. So it's um, it shows that the, 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 the support is there. Um, it's just hard to get the word out there, pretty much. Yeah. That's the hardest part, yeah. That's like... Go ahead, Wookie. When people <laughs> don't have anything to look forward to, something like that can just be the difference. Quite a few different outlets. 
Yeah, exactly. And and um, while I can't talk much about some of the tools we're developing, um, one of them will actually facilitate anyone in the world who wants to create a league or create a tournament, and we will a hundred almost a hundred percent automate the whole process. And we hope that with our leagues, with our charity focused leagues, the other five that we'll announce later, and and the Heroes League, that we will incentivize other people who have the intention and the mission to do some good, some social impact, regardless of what it is, any minority group, any 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 underprivileged groups that they want to support through a, a gaming tournament, and it doesn't need to be VR, it can be com- computer or console or mobile, um, they'll be able to use our tool for free and, wow. and just do good. And we hope to inspire people through our leagues to, to also do good as well. We want to see more VR high school leagues. We want to see VR collegiate leagues, and we want to support all of them. You know, um, the more good we do, the better we evolve as humans. So that's that's amazing. Um, yeah, why don't we switch gears into into uh, your main topic? Um, so I kind of noticed the posters on Twitter talking about you know raising awareness for epilepsy and and gaming, and kind of started talking about it. And um, I just thought we'd it'd be a great thing to talk about here and get it out in the open and so just and i told you like i don't know anyone with epilepsy so if i misspeak forgive me i don't mean anything but you know when i load up any game it has little warnings and stuff and it's like sometimes i'll sit there and think about that like how would how would i handle that not being able to do what i love which is gaming so one of my first questions to you was how do you even get into like i don't know anything about anything so how do you is vr possible when you're epileptic or are there different levels of things or like how does this all work? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um yeah, so I I've had epilepsy ever since I was three years old. Um one of the biggest myths that people have basically because they don't understand epilepsy is that a video game, a movie, something like going to a nightclub can give you epilepsy. That's not how it works. Um right. you cannot just get epilepsy, you, you cannot be born with epilepsy. You cannot contract epilepsy from your parent, from a partner, or whoever. Um, epilepsy is something that you, your brain develops. Um, at the same time, there are people who have seizures and don't have epilepsy. All epilepsy is, is, is a definition that your brain, your neurons, operate at a higher frequency and a higher speed than average. And basically what happens is, at some sometimes some point in time and space, something triggers your brain to get your neurons overclocked. I like to say, and operating faster than it used to, and then they they just get all caught up and and make a big mess, and then basically your brain gets a blue screen, you know, and it needs to restart. And that's how I like to to explain um, seizures. It's basically your brain as Windows restarting because it's out of memory or something. Um, so that's that's what it is. Um, anyone at any point in life can develop epilepsy, um, although it's very rare. Um, it's about one in four thousand people that have epilepsy in the world, um, and there's very different types of epilepsy that we could go on for hours. But um, the sure. most common one that everybody knows is the photosensitive photosensitive epilepsy, uh, which is part of the reflex epilepsy group of epilepsies and, and seizures. Um, and that one affects only, it's so rare, but everybody knows that one. It only affects 3% of all epileptic people in the world. 
and 0.3% of all the population in the world. So reflex, reflex seizure for photosensitive people is basically um, you get a major, it's called a grand mal seizure um, when you have flashing lights and flickering screens um, and stuff like that. And the grand mal seizures are the ones that everybody knows and seen in videos and whatnot that the person falls on the ground, loses consciousness, and starts jerking and moving the arms and contracting and, and, and retracting the arms and legs and everything. Um, and usually lasts anything from a few seconds to, to five minutes. And if it's over five minutes, then you need to call an ambulance. Um, so for gaming, it's especially in VR, um, it's double-edged sword if you of gaming if you love vr yeah. because um it's it's a little hard like those warnings are a must and i am super appreciative that more and more games have those warnings um although they're not enough they're uh, they're at least a warning like at least i know what i'm getting into um there are a few things that i do for flat gaming for example i cannot have a regular monitor that is 68 refresh 60 hertz or 75 hertz refresh rate because if there is any flickering, any blurring, especially motion blur, um, it can be a little, a little triggering for me. So for even for people who are not photosensitive, um, in 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 their epilepsy, they don't they don't get a, a seizure straight up from just seeing flashing lights. Um, those those flashing lights and those flickerings on the screen can actually trigger um, the my the the epilepsy migraines, which is like a little stronger than regular epilepsy and those migrants then can trigger a seizure um so even though the person might not get instantly a seizure if they keep looking at flickering lights and stuff eventually yeah. they will because they would just get so much so many so much headache um so for for vr um i always i always try to i always try to look at trailers first and see how the game is about i try to watch some gameplay videos um some some like uh play playthrough videos if, if i can find to see if there's any major elements that i think would trigger me um there is there are also other reflex seizures that are um triggered by by audio by, by songs mm. by there's another one that is triggered by contrasting patterns so you know those uh, those pictures on google that are like optical illusions and stuff yeah. some people get seizures from just looking at those in movement oh. so there's a lot of other different types for me. Luckily, so far, I haven't had any type of trigger outside of the photosensitive, but but not instantly. Like I said, it's just it gives me headaches. Um, so for VR games, for example, Beat Saber. Beat Saber, I think, was the third game in VR I ever tried. And the first moment I got in, I saw all those flashing lights and the, the song. And it was, honestly, it was beautiful. It was amazing. It was the third game I ever played in VR, you know, back in, I don't know, 20... <laughs> The end of 2016 or the end of 2017 or something i was amazed at it but at the same time i quit out the song and i, and I asked my friend hey can i turn off those lights and there and i could i could from the very first build that i ever tried on beat saber there was an option disable light effects um so that's yeah. a great thing um most games in vr especially in vr do not have any type of accessibility um features and options to customize to better suit that player that is disabled in some shape or form um but just to start if all the games could just offer a way to to e either just dim the light effects or change the color of them um because majorly the red and white um flashes are the ones that trigger um seizures 
So if they could change the red lights to blue lights, if they could change the white lights to black. So for example, if I'm playing Pavlov or Onward and somebody sends a, a flashbang, it's going to white out my whole screen. Um, and while just one white out is not a big deal, usually the, the, the flickering lights that cause seizures are any flickering lights that happen three times per second. So it's got to be a lot. Even if one flashbang might not cause me a trigger, if a whole squad throws flashbangs one after yeah. the other, it's going to be a bunch of white flashes. So, for example, if I was playing Onward or Pavlov or Contractors or whatever shooter, and I could change the option like, hey, click on option here, I have epilepsy, and change the flashbang instead of being white, being the blackout, that already solves the issue. And it works the same way because I won't be able to see anything yes. regardless. So I'm still flashbanged. Yeah. It's just black instead of white. Um and the and same goes to, for example, three, five flashbangs. If I have them in my inventory, <laughs> it's like, get them to get the, out of the doorway, then I'll run in the doorway and chuck another one. I'll just keep chucking them. So now I, I yeah, and, and, and I mean, I, I don't hate old players that do that because I do that sometimes too. It's, it's a competitive advantage if you, if you can do it sometimes. Um, so I don't hate on the players that do it. I don't hate on anybody that do it. I just I don't hate on the developers that are not aware because honestly, most of them they're not aware of how to yeah. make your game more accessible. Um, I'm curious, yeah, like, like when yeah. we talk about accessibility, um, you know, the color blindness has been a thing that they've been implementing more and more and more and more. Um, so yeah, I think just getting the word out because. I haven't I haven't heard of any of this stuff that you've mentioned, and I feel like an asshole. But um, <laughs> for gaming, I mean, it's you know just to get awareness for devs to include these options because those are easy, like turning it from white to blue, like you said. That's that's not that hard. So, yeah, just curious yeah. What else you would like to see, or what would help? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not the player's responsibility to understand everything about every disability ever. Neither is the developers. But I think it is a responsibility of the platforms and the publishers to get together and develop and get together with the with the actual medical community um, who understand those those researchers, those scientists, those doctors that actually treat those each type of disability to develop some shape or form of standard that is required say, for yeah. every game. A standard yeah. will be very appreciated among all the disabled disability community especially for for epileptic people um in games in general um it would be absolutely amazing to have a standard um that developers can follow and they can have a, a guide in there with that being said there is a few guides for example oculus has an accessibility guide um that does not speak much about epilepsy or some other um, disabilities but it's there it's 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 a starting uh, point I believe Vive also has um, I believe Viveport also has one and I'm not sure about Steam. Steam might have one for general games, but I don't I don't think they have for for VR specific. For Windows platform, I'm not aware if they have or not. Um, and 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 the basis there, you can Google around a lot of different things that you, that as a developer that you can implement to make your game more accessible. I think just the major problem is just not having a standard and one centralized point of information where they can get those resources and they, they can mm -hmm. maybe just down straight up download SDKs that they can just implement in their builds and it already does it for them. And you just have to point out in the settings, oh, this button will react to this action in here. Um, and, and, and that will make everyone's life easier. So yeah, it's I think it's, yeah, developing a standard and developing and sharing publicly resources that the developers can use, both in VR and, and flat gaming. Um, that Further would be extremely that, helpful. 
further than that, I think all platforms like Oculus and Xbox and PlayStation should have some sort of certification too. These games, some that somebody could search by, because if they don't even, you know, you might want to get halfway through a game to realize it's, it's going to cause that cost sixty bucks or whatever, cost all that time. You can't finish the story you might be invested, and that really ticked me off. They have some sort of certification, like it's you know, ability whatever type of they just had a little mark. This one's, you know, got options for you. I might be a little, feel a little more included in this discussion of not wasting all my money on games I can't standard. Yeah, sort of- yeah, absolutely. And and there there could all, there could even be a certification with various levels. So, for example, if you think about a power supply for a computer. You have the 80 plus bronze, gold, platinum, <laughs> diamond, extreme, super, ultra, advanced, whatever. You could have those certifications as well. So even for an indie developer who's developing in his garage alone a game, he could initially get the basic certification like a bronze accessible game. And that has just the the, the colorblind options, for example. But then as he, as he makes some money and he's able to save some time to implement more um, features, then he can apply and get another certification that is a higher level. Um, and I think that idea is great. If having a certification, yes. a little badge for each game, and especially in the in the stores, the marketplace that I could filter, um, that would be amazing. Please. If I could filter out, like, yeah, let, show me VR games or flat games that are safe for people with epilepsy. A, a, a big, if if you know the the gold or platinum level of that means you know on every game you see that it. It allows for my special condition, or what? I would just sort by platinum, and then I'd have a lot easier time doing it. Because even without, you know, a disability or a visual thing, I mean, I've got some slight stuff where I'll get headaches and stuff with new games. But I don't know what's going to happen until three hours into it. I hate wasting sixty bucks on a game, too, and that's the mildest form of anything. So it's got to be. And this is kind of stuff like when PJ says, you know, we see those warnings and it's kind of like, it does make you think, but we don't know the rest of the public. They don't know enough. To think. Yeah. Um, How do we do that? <laughs> yeah. A different, a different solution will be for a group of developers. I don't know how I, I have a basic knowledge of coding and programming in general, but um, I can, I can, I can handle myself around, but I, I don't know the specifics, but uh, Another good alternative would be most, 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 mostly for flat games to have an app for disabled people that operated on top of the games. So think of us as a reshade. Um, I don't know if you guys are aware, in shooter games, mm-hmm. you can use reshade to change the colors and to mod and add some textures and whatever and change the crosshair of the shooter game. Kind of like reshade where he goes on top of the game and whenever he detects some 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 short sort of uh, element or effect that is triggering for some disabled people you could tick that like oh yeah hide this element or something as long as it's not an advantage in it especially in a multiplayer game a competitive game as long as it's not considered cheating um having that software that could work on top of it and just block out or remove or change the color or something um that could also be very helpful for and not get you banned you know yeah and not get me banned reading reading the memory and stuff like that yeah, exactly. A so, for example, yeah. So, for example, I play a lot of Apex Legends on my free time, which is not a lot recently. But every time <laughs> I have thirty minutes, I'll play a little bit of uh, Apex. And what I had to do is I had to study the Valve Source engine and study all the different uh, 
GitHubs and stuff that people shared to learn the specific commands that I could put in the auto ESAC to reduce some of those um, issues and those patterns and those flashes in Apex. Because, for example, a main one that can cause people seizures, and I'm sure it has caused before and nobody has spoken about it, is when you, are, when you get into a match, you have to pick your character. And when you click on your character, um, it flashes the screen to everybody in your team. And what happens is it's just one flash, which is fine. It's a white flash on the whole screen. It's okay. It's just one. But what happens is some players like to click and unclick, click and unclick, and just keep flashing everybody else's screen. And that can cause me a headache. And that actually, mm. um, Bob, we always, we always play together. He, he knows. He can speak for it. There is various times that I get a lot of headache out of nowhere, and I don't realize. And when, and when I started to think about it, I was like, oh, yeah, there was that dude three matches ago that was spamming, selecting Octane or whatever. Um, and that's what I'm, I'm having a headache. So I just tell him, hey, I'm going to log off. I'm going to stop and, and go to sleep before I get a seizure or something. Um, so, for example, Cyberpunk. I haven't finished Cyberpunk until today. I waited three months after we all, most of us, saw that news article about a, a journalist with epilepsy that was talking about how triggering it was, the, one of the events in Cyberpunk. Um, and I waited about three months before I purchased the game because they, um, they, they said that... Um, the developers said they were going to implement some, some features and accessibility stuff to prevent those um, seizures and those triggers. Um, and I waited three months, and it's still, it still gives me headaches, and I haven't played, I think, for another two months. I haven't even opened it yet. I tried using Reshade to change some, some textures and some color effects and stuff, um, but, but I haven't played yet because every time I open up Cyberpunk, other elements that I can't pinpoint yet, I haven't been able to figure out exactly what it is, um, still give me a lot of uh, headaches and migraines, and just as a precaution, I have to stop. So it's kind of, it's kind of disappointing, as, especially for games that I'm really excited and hyped about, and that yeah. I can't play. You know, and I can't play. <laughs> Those are really, really uh, disappointing. But what can you do? You know, you just learn. You learn to live with it. Some games I can't play. Some games I have to pay play very short periods of time, and that's that's how we've got to do right now. Yeah. Yeah. I I just when I was talking on Twitter, I looked at your bio and your, your freaking bio about made me cry. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know if you want to explain that for the listeners, but you know, about really the, the, the SUDEP, yeah, yeah. So, SUDEP is an acronym that means sudden death from epilepsy, uh, sudden unexpected death from, from an epilepsy. And what that is, is anybody with epilepsy, um at some point in time has a chance of simply not waking up one day. It's not that I'm going to have a seizure and I'm going to get hurt and I'm going to die out of that. That can happen as well. Like if I have a seizure and I'm walking in the middle of the road and I fall on the ground and a car goes over me, I die because of the seizure. But the SUDEP is not related to the, necessarily related to the seizure. Um, epilepsy itself is yet not completely understood, even though it, it has been studied for over 100 years. It is not completely understood yet, and, and the medical professionals don't really have a solution for everything. Um, SUDEP is among one of those things. It's one of the most mysterious things that nobody understands in the medical community. Nobody knows how to prevent. Nobody knows how to, how to predict a, a higher chance or something. There are, there are, of course, things that we can do as epileptic to uh, to, to, to prevent that, um, but, it's, but it's the same measures you can take to prevent any type of seizure, which is avoiding stress, um, getting enough sleep, um, and 
trying to not over um, extend yourself, like over exercise or over do anything too much because all those actions are um, wrong actions, like not not eating, not sleeping, and getting stressed and stuff. Those those basically trigger your brain to operate in a higher speed and a higher fre frequency, and then the neurons get in a higher speed, and then you get a seizure. Um, so so you can still act and, and take those measures to prevent SUDEP, but that's a risk that every epileptic person is aware um, uh, once they're old enough to understand the disability they have and the, the, the doctors and the parents teach them about it in case they have it in, in, in an early childhood. Um, that's a risk you always have. Um, so at one day, any point in time, maybe even if I'm treating myself and I'm having the most healthiest life, you know, like I'm, I'm healthier than whatever super, super strong dude that is a nutritionist <laughs> or something has, you know, like I'm having the best life, of, best healthier life ever in the world. One day I can simply not wake up. Um, so SUDEP is not, does not hurt the person. You cannot predict, you cannot, there's no signal that they can pinpoint that that will happen. It's just that one day you simply don't wake up. Um, what's after that? We don't know. <laughs> But you simply don't wake up, and the ones that are hurt the most are the families and close friends. So a famous example is um, Oyo, I forgot his first name, but it's he was a teenager, young adult, was an actor at Disney um, for the Disney Plus channels. And I think he died of SUDAP at 21 years of age. And now um, the epileptic, epileptic community celebrates his day. Um, his the day, his birthday as like his day in, in among the epilepsy community and the SUDAP day. Um, I don't remember which one it is right now off the top of my head. Um, but but here's a famous example that happened I think four years ago. He simply just did not wake up. Um, so there's that. So on the bad side, there's that. I might just not <laughs> wake up tomorrow. On the good side, the way I see it, I mean I can speak for all people with epilepsy, but the way I see it is. For me, it really inspires me to try to achieve as much as I can and try to leave a legacy and try to just do good. And recently, uh, since the last year, yeah, actually also worked as an incentive for me to be more vocal about epilepsy, about me having epilepsy and being an epileptic and bringing awareness to all those things um, because I might not be here tomorrow. And let's say if after this life, I actually, we actually have a conscious, whatever, I go to heaven and I'm aware of my past life or another life, whatever, and I'm aware that I didn't do enough and I got that feeling that I didn't do enough in my past life or whatever, I'm born of as an alien, it's still, I'm still going to feel disappointed. I know for myself, I'm going to feel disappointed. So on the, good, on the good side, it inspires me to always work hard as much as I can safely and, and try to achieve as much as I can and do good and do and spread awareness uh because i might just not be here tomorrow so i always i also always make sure to tell my friends and family like I, that i love them that i appreciate them as much as i can as much as i remember do so because um that's why i want them to remember like if i if i don't get to live to 120 years old um uh, which is my my goal um i i want to be remembered as the guy who was happy and made others happy and did good things so um that's, that's for me i, I, I can yeah. I'm sorry. I thought that's why I thought your bio was so great because you're like, before this happens, I want to leave a mark and I want to make what I enjoy better for other people that have the issue. And it just, oh. <laughs> yeah, you got yeah, me. it's <laughs> yeah. It, I I have a lot of um bucket list 
goals or I would say lifetime goals in my life that I want to achieve. And one of them is, is, is that one. One of them on top of my list is making sure that I can, even if I am not directly responsible for making games more accessible, I want to make sure that at least I was indirectly responsible. I don't care if somebody else or a, a company looking to profit on top of it, I don't care if anybody else implements some magical solution that makes games more accessible for everybody. They can take the credit. I don't care. As long as I know that I did my part. Um, and then that came sooner than later. That's the most important thing. Like, the sooner we can get that games more accessible for everybody, VR or flat, um, the better it is for everybody. Yeah, and I think... Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Good. I was going to say that, you know, everyone should live their life that way anyway, but obviously it's a little different. And um, I know you were, you were, I could tell by your tweets you were frustrated because you were trying to get on to some, a couple panels and they weren't having it. So, you know, <laughs> you, you want to talk about that a little bit? Because that sounds like um, some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to say the name of the conference sure. because it, it's not, it's not ethical, but, um, there was, there is this one major global conference and in one of the communities that I'm part of, um, for XR people, um, a private community, one of the persons responsible for organizing the panels posted in, in, in one of the group chats saying, Hey, I'm looking for people in the XR industry that have experience with accessibility and disabled people and disabled users, um, please reach out to me to speak on, if you, if you want to speak on a panel about accessibility in XR. And I reached out and I was like, hey, I myself have epilepsy. Like, I, this is my thing. I can, I can solo run this panel if you want me to, <laughs> and I can talk about all things for as many hours as you want during the event. She was like, okay, let me call, let me, uh, let's schedule, let me give you a call. And let's talk about it, understanding, see if you're a fit. And I was like, okay, here's my phone number and call me whenever. I was like, why do you need to call me if I just told you that I have a blessing? But okay. And she <laughs> called me and the lady called me. And after explaining to her my whole life and everything I'd gone through, talked for a whole 30 minutes. Because um, pretty much when you ask me about VR or, or epilepsy, I'll talk as, as much as I can. Um then she said, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, I'm actually looking for the VR and MR and AR developers who have developed experiences that are accessible or developed accessibility features. Um, we're not looking for users' feedbacks or discussions for this panel. And I just, I didn't, I didn't lose my patience or temperament or anything. I just said, okay, thank you, bye. But that really disappointed me because I can tell as a user, I am not aware of major popular titles and experiences and platforms in the XR industry all around that are accessible. I mean, there are a few games and, and, and experiences that have some options. Granted, I give them credit for that, but there aren't any specific ones that I'm aware of that were made with intention of being accessible for people like me, for people with other disabilities. Um, I am not aware, and I think the most, like I said, the most important thing is developing awareness. And how do you develop awareness in the community, especially for the developers, for the workers, for the big companies, the big players in the industry, if you don't put those people that have the, that experience, those disabled people trying to enjoy the same experience that everybody can enjoy the same way, how do you, how do you spread awareness if you don't hear their feedback and what they 
want and what they ask because we don't ask for much we're you know I'm, i'm just asking to be able to play games like is that so much is that so hard that you know um so yeah that that disappointed me a little bit um but there is another conference at the end of the year that i'm trying to get more people with disabilities in general that are in the extra industry users or developers or anyone and i'm i have an option to pitch a panel for them um and i hope that works out because i don't want to do that panel alone i want to include other disabled people um so it's not just a singular talk about epilepsy but um yeah I have hopes on that. <laughs> what are some options that uh, developers could add that would help that aren't existing or non-existent today? Have you yeah. thought about so, that? Or? Yeah. Um, major major things that, in my point of view, are not that hard to do um, are, for example, the the flashing and tr- and triggering and and. and, and triggering and flickering of lights. So if some event has to have flashing lights, especially in red and white, not that the other colors don't trigger, but those are the main ones. If you have to have flashing lights that are that happen more often than three or more times per second, or that they can be abused by the players to, to force it to happen three times or more per second, if you have to have those, if it's gonna disrupt the gameplay to remove it, then just change it to black, change it to or just dim the brightness, dim, remove the saturation, any kind of st- stuff like this that is basically a button in the settings of the game. Because most of the VR games as well, you don't have a settings page. A lot of games you don't. You yeah, might have yeah. a settings page in the main menu for like volume and music and sound effects control, but you don't have, most of the games you don't have a direct access to settings within the gameplay. And most of those settings as well are not accessible. Um, so that one, just offering to change the colors or dim the brightness or um, remove the saturation or just some type of preventing that effect from happening three times or more per second, that would be helpful. Again, if, it, if it's not going to dis- disrupt the gameplay and make it unfair for others, I'm all in for that. If it, will, if, 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 if it will, if it will not disrupt the gameplay from removing, then give us the option to just turn it off. Like, just, just let me turn it off light effects. Like in Beat Saber, I can turn it off. Like, for me, it already works great. So I love watching Twitch streams. I used to be a streamer back in the day. And one thing I can't do nowadays is watch my friends play Beat Saber because they're playing with the light effects on. And I am not going to reduce my window size on my screen to be like a tiny spot that I can only see a pixel. But at the same time, I can't watch it because they have the lights on. And I don't want to force them to deduct from their experience just so I can watch it while 50 other people in the in the room want to see the light effect. So I can't while I can't watch Beat Saber because there's no option on, on stream flat platforms to control that as well, and that would be great. At least in the game, I can do that and I can enjoy the game. I don't care if I'm not getting the beautiful light effects that I would love to see. I don't care if I'm missing that. As long as I get to play the core game and I get the same experience and the same points, like, why not, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, just, the main thing for yeah, some people just dense like that because like no one can still explain to me why Netflix has a, a red end for a logo and a black background in their logo, and you know I have a like a hundred inch project projector in my office with blackout curtains and stuff, and I have hue lights that PJ turned me on to that'll match the color of the screen to light up and be dynamic, mm-hmm. and then pitch black in my room, and then Netflix loads. 
and it's got the brightest white background yeah. with that red end, or when even it's the red background, and it's just like, oh my god, and it's that's making <laughs> me sick, and I, you know, that's just because it's just overwhelming. Who, idiot, <laughs> offense should yeah. be taken. Netflix, wherever you're looking from, <laughs> I thought that was a good idea. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm all in for for making every experience, whether it be a game, a movie, anything, as amazing as possible and as, as awesome and as many effects as possible, but just give us the option to turn those off if it's not mm-hmm. going to conflict with the, with the experience and with the fairness of the gameplay in, in the case of a game. Like, just, just, give us, just give us the tools and we'll work with it. If, we, if yeah. I have access to stuff... I can work with it. For example, for the for the Apex, I'm still hoping I'll never get banned for it. But what I did is I used some commands to reduce the muzzle flash, um, and to also um, just destroy my game quality so that I can I can run in a higher FPS because I use a 200 hertz monitor so that I don't get that motion blur and I don't get those those um, ghosting effects that can cause me a trigger because the ghosting effects work just like the the contrast contrast patterns that I talked about a little before and that can cause me a seizure um i I still haven't been able to find a code to disable that flash into the character selection screen but what i do now is just every time i get into a game i look the other way and i close my eyes at the same time because even though the flash i'm not seeing the flash the flash will reflect on the walls and just in case i I cover my eyes during the character selection so um yeah just just even if i just had access to those string commands that i can use when opening a game on steam additional commands for admins or whatever even if we just had access to that, that would already already help. I, I could myself just make a guide for every single game out there. Hey, if you're epileptic, use these commands and you'll have a better game. Like I could do that as if I knew. Yeah. Like I just I just wanna know that I can use stuff and that there is a stuff there that I can use to, to make it better. Yeah. yeah. You could change those guys' minds with the ones that ready up and then unready up and then ready up over and over again, trying <laughs> to speed everybody else up. It's like, hey, Jackass, give me 40 seconds. I'm going to use it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and in Apex, it, it even isn't like 40 seconds. It's like 10 seconds, I think, per person. Yeah. So, like, how can you be so impatient? It's For Apex specifically, I take it as they are intentionally trolling because yep. it's just 10 seconds yeah. and it's three players tops, so that's 30 seconds they're waiting. If, 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 you're, if you have to look at a screen for 30 seconds, you can't take off your eyes on the screen for 30 seconds. Like, you're really intentionally trying to piss off your teammates and give them a worse experience. Even if you're not aware that it can give epilepsy, just by flashing somebody else's screen when they don't want to, when they don't expect, it's just already going to piss them off. So, like, yeah. in Apex specifically, you're trying to you're trying to piss off your teammates. You're trying to be a troll. You're probably a 15-year-old or a 48-year-old <laughs> who never had a love before and just wants to make life worse <laughs> for everybody. Yeah. Anyone yeah. yeah. <laughs> do that stuff because, like, the flashes alone, like, yeah, it can be cool in like big bursts of light, but when they do that thing where like it whites out the screen for a second, yeah, it can have some sort of dramatic effect. That it's still, you'll see sometimes when like explosion happens, flash white, and there's something. I have an explosion. I was just watching some old Star Trek episode. I had to unhypnotize it, like hand light, hand. Clicking like a, a rewiring, you know, strobe light. Projector on. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Knock it off. <laughs> Why? And like, yeah. this talk is making me realize all the stuff I've seen that was 
somewhat minor annoying to me because it's really kind of I've yeah. never heard anyone say, knock it off, publicly. A little bit. Yeah, and, and we might never know and we might never be able to pinpoint, but every single one of those annoyances that are annoying for people that are not disabled, they can, in a small percentage, be actually increasing your chances to develop epilepsy or some other mm-hmm. disability as well. Um, so, like, if you constantly play Beat Saber with the lights effects on and use the most crazy effects or whatever, if you play that every day, eight hours a day, nonstop for five years, you might, there's no way to detect or pinpoint or give give a point to fault to that specifically, but that might actually increase your chances of developing epilepsy because you can develop at any age. Um, well, although it's more common between zero and, and, and between one and 25 years old, you can still develop in a later age. And even if you don't develop, it can still trigger a seizure on you. And then it goes like a whole year of your, of your life going to doctors and getting checked up and scared for your life. Because after you have a seizure, it's the worst, I'm, I'm sorry for the language, but it's the worst fucking thing in the world. I had one about 10 days ago. And before that, I haven't had one for three years. And one of the things that epilepsy does to me, oh, I'm flying around. Um, it's all good um one of the things that epilepsy does to me um to epileptic people is when you have seizures more often than not you actually lose some memory or if you don't lose recent memory it actually damages your capacity of retaining memory so for example i don't remember anything from the past three years and all like from my, my infancy and my childhood if i don't have pictures and people to tell me i don't remember anything um so like about 10 days or 15 days ago i had a seizure while i was sleeping and it was one of the major seizures where you fall around and you shake and everything. And I was alone at home. Luckily, I was, as usual, always sleeping on my side. So it didn't get suffocated on my own and anything like that. But when I wake up, it's basically the whole day I'm exhausted mentally and physically because it's like I went to the gym for those two to three minutes that I had a seizure. For those two to three minutes, it feels like I went to the gym nonstop for a whole week. And I also like was at school learning and using my brain and stuff for like a whole week nonstop as well. Like not a single minute of stop. So I feel exhausted mentally and physically. Um, and on top of that, it adds to the fear of like, shoot, I could have just died of Sudaf tonight, you know, but I woke up. So that's when, when that's where the good side comes in and it makes me excited to do good stuff while I'm alive. But at the same time, I'm like, shoot, you know, so yeah, those, those flashes in games and especially movies, um, most of the white flashes, you can just change it to black. You can just, yeah. nobody's going to care. The intention is to make sure that the viewer, the spectator, or the player cannot see anything, right? So why just oh. don't just make it black and just and dim the screen to black, you know? And what, I, what pisses me off about this kind of stuff is most times, you know, the uneducated people, and again, I'm going to make fun of Americans, because apparently what might happen to other people doesn't affect you, so just fuck it. Like, unless it's happening to you, like, oh, maybe we do need, you know, paternity. Yeah, you don't know that until you let you have a baby. <laughs> but, like, if you have this, this issue and you bring up this game, it'd be great. Like, you know, Cyberpunk, sorry, you have these settings, but can you do something about this? Or, you know, can you sit down with one of your PR people and maybe figure it out. Half of their community, not everybody that's playing the game, is probably like, go play another game. And it's like, well, that's not helpful. Because uh, slightly related, to my girlfriend uh, stuttering for a long time. 
somehow trained herself to get over it. Mariah on one end, but she hates talking on the phone or using voice chat. When Warcraft got there, she was used to playing old games like Titan, Online, kind of a Everyone was typing, good to go. As soon as it was like, oh, now you have to use voice chat. Must have mic or must have set. He's like, and really didn't want it. And then they're like, yes, you don't go raiding. So like the whole the whole point of the game, you know, I guess I can't play this. But he gives a crap. You have to find it, you know, it's a certain segment. It really hurts you to be a little more inclusive. It's like, hey, it's fine if you talk in text versus you know, just have the, the earphone on so you can hear us and then we you can type and some people would take middle finger. For, for the, the independent games and developers, the small teams, it is understandable because the market is overly saturated for most genres and they need to, to develop a game that will sell right. and will be attractive and will generate revenue for them so they can pay their bills. So I understand if those independent developers and small teams take longer to implement those features, but for AAA studios and publishers and all of those big boys in gaming yeah, industry in general... They have absolutely zero excuse to not try to offer some some accessibility features other than color blindness, like yeah. just just a little bit more. It, it it's not that hard, and you have the money, and you have the revenue, you have the investors to do it. And it all all it takes is a couple of those big AAA titles and publishers and developers to start doing that to just cause yeah. a snowball mm -hmm. effect. Yeah. You know, it, it, all it took for a Battle Royale to become one of the most famous germs and most played germs of all time was PUBG. PUBG released and it was buggy and broken and laggy as hell. <laughs> and it was famous in China and it got over to, to the west side of the world and it got super famous. And now we have like a gazillion different Battle Royale games, you know. Um, the same yeah. goes for the Fall Guys. Fall Guys got famous out of nowhere and it was a very quick game to make with a small team. And now you see a lot of copycats around. So... It's yeah. All it takes is some big popular titles to just try to do better, and that will cause a snowball effect. Because who wouldn't prefer to play a game that you know is more inclusive and has accessibility options? You know, even if you are not disabled, it's the same thing. So, for example, if you want to buy chicken at the grocery store, you would prefer to buy chicken um, thighs that are from chickens that are raised on a free range. Like uh, eggs from chicken in, in a free range and stuff like that, rather than one that doesn't say anything about it. Like, we don't do anything about that. You will always prefer the good things that do good for somebody or something. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, yeah, it all takes is a couple of the big guys to start doing better. And I think it will, it will greatly uh, influence everybody else to do it. And yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, Peter, you play, you know, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And say what you want about Ubisoft gameplay and all any other controversy. I haven't really delved into it, but sometimes they have, like, even in the Xbox version, which you lighter on options, there are so many options for, I'm sure a lot of it's colorblind and this and that and changing types. But there's, like, three pages of stuff I don't even sift through. I'll just go change my reticle color to being magenta so I can see it any background. But I'd just, you know, be, like, 30 minutes looking up and down, like, this is actually cool. I don't have a use for it. It doesn't mean it doesn't need to be there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, those those very few here and there. I don't know, like I said, they might, as a whole, have more of those options. Yeah, I mean, yeah, nobody's going to complain about having options, right? 
Like, yep. <laughs> give players options and nobody's going to complain about the One of the best things that ever happened to games is allowing the player to customize their experience, right? Especially those yep. games that are that happen as it goes. And, it, like, Mass Effect, a big example, depending on how you interact and how you act in the story, you have a different ending. Like, one of the best things that ever happened to the game industry is allowing the players to have control of their experience. So just give yeah. us more options. Like, it's it's not that big of a deal. And, again, if if a group of specialists and professionals manage to get together and develop some standard and offer some some quick pages and setups and instructions for developers to do, I think that will help a lot. Um, and just having that standard will also help to develop that certification, and then we can start filter, filtering, I can start filtering games that are appropriate for me, you know? Um, it doesn't yeah. need to be a bronze to gold level. It can be, um, like, accessible game, letter E, and that stands for people with epilepsy. So that's a game that is not going to trigger seizures for mm -hmm. me, but it might, it might not be accessible for someone with another disability, but at least for people with epilepsy, I know that that game is available for me. Um, so yeah, it's a standard is needed. Um, and it's, and it, 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 unfortunately that's not something I can do on my own. I don't have the knowledge for a development like that to do stuff like that. And I don't think it's going to take five guys. It's going to take a bunch of big groups and communities and especially yeah. the medical community that understands video games, the professionals that yeah. understand and the developers, major developers and publishers to get together and, and do something about it. Like Microsoft started doing it, um, but I don't know where that's at now, but um, they do have a, they have a controller Sorry. that is that is an adaptive controller, so that's really, 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 really nice. Yeah. Um, so there's that, yeah. I've seen videos of uh, ads with, uh, I think his daughter had like MS or something like that, so he used the Xbox controller so she could play Breath of the Wild on the Switch. And I was like, that dad's got a heart of gold, but thank God Microsoft has something. I think that controller is insanely expensive. I would like to no, try one out to customize it's, it. Just for, it's only a hundred dollars. They they want people to have that thing. It's that fantastic. It. I thought it was a yeah. hundred bucks. No, and it's cross platform. Works everywhere. Yep. That's that's kind of like if I met somebody who was suffering from that or had a kid that used it, I would go out and like buy four of those. You know, <laughs> I don't need to eat out for a couple of weeks. I want this kid to be able to have a kid. Childhood, kidhood, childhood. So get them. I would just go free. Yeah, no, those those controllers are amazing. And matter of fact, there is one charity called Able Gamers that I have yet to get in touch with them, um, but they are focused specifically on that. They make video games more accessible for people with motion disabilities um, or motion. Um, temporary or permanent motion um, issues or disabilities or whatever. Um, and they, they make some special um, controllers for, for, for people with those disabilities. And then they, they give it to them. They do, a, they do a whole shebang and they raise a lot of money for that. And the, the CEO of Able Gamers, I always forget his name, but he's very, actually very popular on Twitter and very vocal about accessibility um, because he himself is disabled and he's like bound on, on a chair um, and he uses the solutions that they developed and the, the adaptive controller from Xbox and all other things. So the main guy of the charity is is one of the guys that the charity was developed for. So um, there are very a, a lot of good groups trying to do good out there. It's just uh, it's just that they are not connected and they're not aware of each other. And 
the ones that they're, they're supposed to support, those guys and those charities are just either ignoring or also not aware of them. Like right. developers yeah. themselves, yeah. And a lot Before of it we... Yeah. Oh, right, good. I just want to open up anyone, Madman or Diamond, any questions about anything or comments? Okay, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so a lot of it might start with individuals. So people who have disabilities that might not speak up because you know they'll just accept it and be like, well, I guess I just can't play that game. You know, they need to hear that other people are fighting the struggle, so they should speak up. The louder that voice gets, the more it gets heard. But then on the converse, if you're one of those motherfuckers that would say, no, no, I guess you don't play the game, stop complaining, just shut the fuck up. If you're listening and it's you, grow up. Let these people talk. If I didn't have video games as a childhood, I don't know what we'd be. Yeah, like, we'd. <laughs> it's. The Midwest I'd be very depressed right now. <laughs> it's boring out there. Unless you'd like to raise cows. Like, we would have been like, all I did was read books and play video games. I barely did my homework. You got to have some imagination. Let some people. Don't be that asshole. Point at some cow. Don't be that asshole. <laughs> and if you are that asshole, change and maybe help somebody. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Um, yeah, it's it, yeah. I, I I have some encounters, especially I, I talk about Apex a lot because that's the main game that I've been playing recently. But um, I've I've had a lot of encounters in Apex that the the player was doing that character selection thing, and when I told him like, "Hey, dude, I have epilepsy. It would be nice if you didn't do that." Um, I, even though we might never ever play again together, at least you know not to do it to somebody else. And I hear exactly that. The guys always said or the girls, whoever, I don't know who's behind the computer, um, they always say, oh, you have epilepsy? You shouldn't be playing video games then. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. That's what I love. Like, I've been playing video games ever since I was three years old. My brother mm -hmm. put me to, to play Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on, on the Genesis when I was three years old and forced me to beat <laughs> it. And ever since, I just couldn't stop playing video games. Like, it's his fault. Playing my brother, not, not me. Um, but, like, that's that's what I love. It's the same... It's, it doesn't make any sense. It's the same thing as you telling a woman she shouldn't go out of home, get out of home wearing a skirt because she, because she would get raped. Like, you can't tell somebody not to do something like, like, like you don't have control of somebody like that. Like, it's, yeah. I just want to play games. Like, can I, can I just play games? That's all. I'm it not going to bother the other person. I'm not going to. But yeah, but the biggest thing is the reason I wasn't vocal about epilepsy until a year and a half ago. Um, especially this year, is because my whole life I suffered bullying from it. I was always bullied about it. Um, at school, at, at elementary school back in Brazil, I actually went to the hospital. I had to be sent into an ambulance because a kid grabbed the flashlight and and held my head and kept flashing it until I had a seizure. I never had, I have no, I was, like I said, I've never been photosensitive, but they did it so much. They had one of those flashlights that you press a button and it keeps, like, on and off, on and off automatically, and they just held it literally a, like a gunpoint on my on my eyes, and I went to the hospital. So like my whole life, I've always tried to. At the same time that I'm trying to stay alive and enjoy everything I want, also not telling people because one, I don't want people to feel sorry for me and and give me a better treatment or something like that. But also, I don't want to risk that person who might find out that I have epilepsy 
just treat me worse or tell me that I can't do something. Like, you can't tell me I can't do anything. Like, I, yeah. I came from the favelas. I came from a poor family where my grandpa made kitchen utensils out of dirt and sewed. And we grew up and we evolved and we got successful in life. And now I'm living in another country doing charity leagues and virtuality for schools in another whole other country. You can't tell me I can't do anything. I can do anything I want to, you know? Like, I, yeah. I, I came from the very, very, very bottom of the economy and the world. And you can't tell me I can't do anything. Um, so that's one of the reasons most people are not vocal about it. They're just afraid of retaliation. Um, and, and I agree. Um, more people started starting to be more vocal and having courage and having the mental stability to actually absorb those retaliations and those issues and those bad people and try to transform it into good and not let it affect you. The more people that do it will be better. And, and then it would just incentivize other people to be vocal as well. Yeah. I'm so glad you didn't listen and made your way. Cause <laughs> yeah, it's, I can't stand like bullies and people just, just being dumb, like just be nice. It's so easy to be nice to someone. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess you could give up your entire hobby or I could stop pushing the A button. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just give up. Exactly. And I, I understand a little bit of bullying here and there. Not, I wouldn't even call it bullying, but a little bit of a irritating somebody else in the game because that's, that's, we're gamers. We're going to try to troll <laughs> a little bit here and there, but everybody knows their limits. Everybody yeah. knows when they cross the line. Like if you're over 15 years old, you have a self-conscious, you're, your, your brain's developing by itself. You're not necessarily 100% obeying your parents and doing everything as they tell. You have your own consciousness, and you can understand when you cross your line. And if you realize you cross the line, even if you're, like, ashamed of saying I'm sorry, just stop doing it. You don't even necessarily need to say sorry to the person. As long as you stop doing that person is going to realize you intentionally stopped doing something that was annoying to them or damaging to them. And they're going to be grateful for that, regardless if you say sorry or not. If you say sorry, yes, that's going to make their day, their week. You know, it's going to be super amazing to, to, to see that that person change. But even if you don't, you're already making their life better by just not doing it. So, yeah, it's a little bit of, a little bit of, of irritating games is fine. But, but bullying in general, even outside of games, is just um, the, the, the damaging bullying side of things is just unacceptable. I don't understand how that it, still a thing yeah i don't know the mysteries of life <laughs> yeah i don't think you figure that one out anytime soon unfortunately <laughs> yeah so yeah one so, of the one of, oh, sorry go oh, ahead i just had one one other question um have you found any games or any developers working on games to treat epilepsy because we've talked to a couple that developers that actually work on those kinds of things have you found anything like that um, not that you can cure not, it or anything like that i'm saying but yeah they are, i know. mean yeah i mean if anybody out there is developing something and wants me to try it out please contact me in any way um i'm more than happy to help test those things um as far as vr or, or flat game developers in general developing something to treat epilepsy or to detect or something specific like that i don't think i know any i do know um two brothers who contact me on dms a long time ago i think over a year um because they were trying to develop exactly what i said uh, like an external application that could be on top of games and and 
deactivate those effects that are triggering um, seizures. Um, but I lost touch with them. Uh, I should get back back in touch with them. Um, I don't I don't know where the progress is, but I gave them a full on report on on all those little things that I could think of at, with the basic coding knowledge that I have that they could make to 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 work on top of games in general. Um, so I know those two guys that they wanted to do that. Um, and they just came to me in the DMs out of nowhere, and they're like, "Yeah, I saw you talking about epilepsy. Can you help us? Because we want to do this. Like, no, we're not trying to profit anything. Just offer." Um, but I don't know where that's at. Um, especially for VR, I don't. It, that's even rare. It's really, even harder to find. I uh, we've talked to a couple of people. I'll I'll mention and see what 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 they say or what they bring up. It'd be interesting because. I've, I don't know if you if anyone else has heard this, but I've heard of like VR like helping cure eyesight, and I've heard it like um, there's a couple of obviously like the meditation apps and relaxation apps, but um, there was one other I can't think of what what the affliction was, but they actually can treat that stuff with VR. Yeah, I remember I just one of those two, but I don't remember is. which. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of uh, medical. VR applications that are there to treat specific things, and even applications to actually train professionals in sports, like Brazil. You have a, an actual soccer VR trainer that actually is proven to better the performance of athletes. Um, yeah. And I know there are there are uh, many uses. Even some games like Breach's Plank Experience, you can find <laughs> countless reports of people who won over their fear of heights because yeah. of playing Reach's Blank Experience. Like, it's amazing. I used to manage an arcade that is closed right now. We're reopening um, next month, a VR arcade here in San Mateo. And the Reach's Blank Experience is, is one of my favorite experiences to put new VR players through because it's just amazing. And then you can, you, I always ask them, like, are you afraid of heights? Do you have, like, a sensitive heart or a, a probability of having a heart attack or something? If they say no to all of those, I put them through. And then I explain to them, like, hey, this game is actually used by people to win over their fear of heights. They're the phobias. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I know there are a lot. Um, not, not, a, not a lot, but there, there are plenty, and, and there should be more VR applications for different treatments and different conditions and different disabilities. Um, just for epilepsy specifically, I'm not aware of any. Um, but if you guys know, please, yeah, put me in touch. Um, and I'll love to speak to them and test everything and break stuff and yeah, sure. and do all their feedback. Um, with that the, being said, one of the, the recent things. Mm -hmm. Sorry, but when you do the plank thing, when you show people, do you actually put like on the ground? I've heard Most, that enhances yeah. the experience. It does. Most <laughs> VR arcades that I know, the owners, they do have that plank, that physical plank that people walk on. I do not um, because. Even without the plank, I've already had too many people falling, um, and mm. I always have to either catch them or I miss it for a half a second and they're on the ground. Um, and also because the stations in my VR arcade, they are little cubes, um, and the walls are, are fabric. They're not, like, hard walls or anything. It's just fabric so that in case they punch with the controller, it doesn't break. Um, but also the floor is padded, so it's just... The, the 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 space for each player is just too small to have a plank on for they to for them to walk on, um, and it would just be too troublesome. But yeah, I've I've been to a few VR events where people put the planks on for for people who've never played it before to try it out, and it's the reactions are amazing. 
I'm just yeah, curious it's, yeah. it's, it's lovely to watch yeah <laughs> it's it's a great game yeah one of the recent things that happened that i'm really appreciative is oculus themselves enabling the 100, 120 hertz first yeah. to 90 hertz and then the 120 um because for example right now in vr the two major things that give me a lot of headache and then it forces me to stop playing to prevent the seizure is one being uh, the game being laggy either on the on my end like low fps or on the server end with actual lag um and trying to do a lag compensation and whatnot so for example right now if my internet goes slow and i'm gonna see you guys teleporting a little bit here and there and doing the head movement super fast and doing like this um that's going to give me headaches and also the refresh rate like i said before um when i first got the quest it was what 72 uh hertz yeah. and i could only play 30 minutes a day um, because my head would explode um now it's 90 <laughs> and most games are implementing 120 now and 90 is becoming the standard and 120 from the games that i've tested um, and especially the main menu is just amazing. I can actually finally use my quest for longer than 45 minutes. Because um, otherwise, I have various other headsets in here in my home that I always try to test it out. Otherwise, I'm forced to use a, a Valve Index. And then I have to do 144 hertz. But then my computer is not a NASA computer to run every single game <laughs> at high quality. So some games I have to lower the quality to be able to get 144. Um, so yeah, being, that's one thing I'm really happy about is the VR headset manufacturers paying attention to the high refresh rate even though they're doing it because they want to offer just gamers more like um, reaction time and everything and just a better gaming experience even though they are not aware that that is actually very helpful for epileptic people uh, I'm really appreciative and I'm all in for it like the more headsets have high refresh rate the better sure yeah well, I told you we wouldn't get to all our topics. Oh. <laughs> but um yeah, going forward like why we I kind of mentioned like you want to come back once a month and just to put that awareness out or if there's anything we can do to help let us know but um we're coming up in an hour and a half so I don't want to take up your time or anyone else's time. So yeah, just keep us in the loop and let us know what we can do and Definitely want to help get the awareness out there and brainstorm. If it's just brainstorming ideas to help or something like that, that'd be great. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm. You guys have no idea how thankful I am um, for you guys giving me this opportunity. Um, and keep in mind, um, anyone watching this, especially you guys, one day if it happens that I get super famous, or one day it happens that. VR becomes more accessible, you guys can say, hey, we brought Leo here first. We were the first ones <laughs> uh, providing that awareness and, and, and sharing that, that information um, and all those, those, um, those different ways that games can be more accessible. Um, I'm really, really appreciative. And I'm more than happy to come here every month um, if you want to do it. Um, just let me know any day and time, and I'll just book that day out of my, on my calendar, and I'll... I'll be more than happy to be here um it's really an honor and i'm really thankful for for you guys to give me the, the opportunity no problem i just i always try to put myself in someone else's shoes and like gaming something you love and if it's like i have bad like and i'm not comparing this in any way but 
some nights where it's like, oh, I have to get up and change my controller battery. That's enough to make me go do something else some nights. So I just, just like all the barriers you put up with, do something you love. It just, I, I, I want yeah. nothing more than to like help you get to where you want to be with all that accessibility and options. And, Cause good enough ugh. people have enough empathy because, you know, now I feel bad complaining about it. even some of my favorite VR games. They always have the same problem. When, when like the logo or whatever's coming up, the splash screen, the music is so deafeningly loud. There's no option to you can change everything else, but that's just going to happen. But at least I can play the game, you know. So maybe I should not complain about that much stuff as much, and maybe I should complain on other people's behalf. Add my voice <laughs> to that. Even it doesn't bother me. There, I'd rather have everybody play the game and deal with that same deafening noise. Annoying. <laughs> So just we can all complain about the same thing. Yeah, yeah <laughs> complain um, about that thing. It's fine. Yeah, just keep in mind that even the things, if, if for anyone who does not have any disability, if there are elements in a game, in an experience that are annoying enough to you that make you not want to play the game or not watch the experience or do anything, those elements most likely are even more annoying for the for people with disabilities. Um, so even though, don't think that, oh, I'm complaining about something that is not worth it because there's somebody in worse, with a worse condition than I do, um, that, that kid that couldn't even try this, like, don't, don't devalue your, your disappointment over something that is annoying and triggering to you just because you don't have epilepsy, because most likely that, that, that thing that is triggering you is most likely also triggering people with disability, most likely even more. Um, so yeah, exercise your voice as well for even for non-disability reasons, like if you want to be able to control the volume of, a, of the music in a game or reduce the volume in, a, in, a, in an opening screen or the, the Netflix, like I want to just disable mm -hmm. the Netflix splash screen, we should, everyone should be, should be exercising the right to, to, to demand those things. It's, it, it, it is included in accessibility. Even if you don't have a disability, if, if any changes or options or features can make the game or software experience more enjoyable for all that's that's accessibility that's inclusivity you know um it doesn't necessarily need to be for one disability it can be for everybody and so i get that yeah small annoyances versus completely game breaking things that are missing wookie can yeah. suck <laughs> yeah if you put it on I a know. balance definitely there are some things <laughs> that should be put in priority but yeah um yeah do exercise your voice and don't think that your your small annoyances are less valuable or should be ignored because it might happen that your small annoyances is a big deal for someone with a disability and they're just not exercising their voice. So you might be able to help somebody that you never know you would never meet because you just told them that, hey, I am a normal person and, and no disabilities, but I'm annoyed at this. And then they fix it and then suddenly like there's 500 different players playing the game because now they're not getting a seizure you know so you never know you're small the noises that it might be small to you it might be actually big to people with disabilities so yeah anything that annoys point. you we have the right to tell the developers to fix it and to change it because we bought the product unless you pirated it then you shouldn't have a voice but <laughs> but if you but if you bought it and like you you have the right to ask them to make the game more enjoyable for you a lot nicer than mine because like I will always be an advocate for the quality of the game just to increase because why not? We're paying you the money. You're like, you know, let's all work together, make it better. And in the Wookiee, 
my mind. It's sort of like I straight up sent him an email and said, "This game is dog shit. I want my money back." Xbox has been starting to fund my games. I'm like, "This developer's you know tanking. This is this this is not what they're out for." Blah 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 blah. And then like 30 minutes later, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dog shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, do keep in mind, developers are people too. So, yeah, um, yeah, you might <laughs> that the, the person the who reads the, not. yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, the person who reads your email or your review uh, might not be the person responsible for the things that pissed you off, <laughs> and that might actually be very, very, very sad for that person's day or month or week. So, no, just keep that in mind. Yeah, dog shit. I say this game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ag- I agree with you. Yeah, just just for anyone out there, don't don't curse on a developer. Hate hate the the publisher, don't hate the developer. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. you know, play game in VR for like 5 hours and maze. But I'll get, you know. DJ probably hates me for bashing Assassin's Creed Valhalla 5 minutes into that, I'm like Come on guys, you should <laughs> Doing better. Maybe don't use seventeen studios. To make- <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And there's, I, I feel you there. Uh, I'm like that with some games too. I just couldn't. I just can't get around and play it. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I do gotta say, I am getting a little bit of headaches. I do gotta step yeah, out. I but I really, really appreciate um giving me access and 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 this platform to speak about it. And like I said. Please, anytime you guys have openings, let me know and you want to talk about anything. Writers, not even even it's not disabilities. If you want to talk about the league or VR games, yeah. you know, I'm I'm always always happy to be part of. Definitely. We need yeah, we'll do our sign off quick. I was gonna bring it up. Like it's been an hour and a half. I didn't want. I get hot and stuff with a headset on, so <laughs> I just thought I'd say. Hey. Yeah, I just jinxed myself because I said if my internet gets low, you guys start teleporting, and then you guys started teleporting. So it's now it's starting to give me a little bit of a headache because my internet, because I jinxed my internet. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, everyone, Chat. thanks for hanging out and chatting. Um, this has been episode seventy-three of the VR Verdict podcast. I am PJ. I'm Wookie. And Lirio or Leo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this was our VR Verdict.